0: This is the Cliffy Clutch Crew Walking Dead Episode Review. I fully respect the Hair Gang. gang. There's a vast ocean of shit that you people don't know shit about. <laughs> You're going native, brother. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew Walking Dead episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino.
1: I'm Christina Lomangino.
0: And today we are reviewing season six, episode four Here's Not Here.
1: Directed by Stephen Williams, written by Scott Gimple. This was a 64 minute episode. We were treated to a bit of a longer one again. And it got 13.3 million viewers. I
0: thought it was 90 minutes. No.
1: It was a runtime on TV of 90 minutes, but it was actually 64 minutes of showtime.
0: And the rest were commercials. You got it. Of course. And we are terribly sorry that we haven't been around for two episodes. It's actually my fault. Been a little overwhelmed with other work and a shitty client.
1: <laughs> Life gets busy. We're not going to go into a deep dive of episodes two and three. We're just going to brush over the main points and then get into episode four. Let's start with some of our predictions. That we put out in episode one, some of them actually did come true. When we left off, Jason, we were talking about the alarm that we heard, who was responsible for oh, it, yes. why it happened, and you had predicted that it could have been somebody who got into a car accident, uh, perhaps the car alarm or their head had fallen onto the horn. That's right, yeah. Which I thought was great. That was almost exactly what happened. Fuck
0: yeah! Forgot I said that.
1: <laughs> we need a little bell. I don't know how you give a half right. We also talked about why this was happening, who was responsible. And I predicted that it could have something to do with Enid. She had been acting a little bit strange, and perhaps she was a mole for the wolves. Mole, mole. We're not quite sure if that's true yet. Definitely was the wolves behind it, and she did skip out prior to that.
0: So we'll do a little...
1: (laughs) A little half and half. I had also said that it seemed Glenn was starting to trust Nicholas a bit more. Unfortunately, it appears I was right on that to his great detriment. We see that he does do everything he can to save Nicholas. Yes. And he thinks that he's redeemable right up until the moment where Nicholas winds up killing himself.
0: Right, and that's episode three. We'll just mash him fuck
1: it. Yeah, that was that was kind of the big event, right? Yes,
0: and he of says the thank last you a few episodes that bag. talk about an empty thank you.
1: <laughs> that was a big big theme for that episode, I suppose.
0: But I was starting to trust him too. I thought he was doing a turnaround until he saw that body of one of his friends that they did leave when they were still chicken shits.
1: Yeah, I think he was. And we've been seeing that, right? This season where people sort of have their shit together and then they're confronted with something that they really don't know how to come to terms with. Somebody they knew as a person who is now a walker. And this has been Glenn's main characteristic, what makes him Glenn, for better or worse, that he believes people can be saved and he's going to try to do everything he can for them.
0: Yeah, well, he's the yin of Rick's yang. So, I mean, it's needed.
1: Let's talk about what we think of what happened to Glenn. This has been a major source of controversy.
0: Yeah, you know what? And I, I don't believe it was very hidden. I don't think like they spent too much energy trying to hide the fact that he might be still alive. Maybe he de- they did it on purpose. Scott Kimball.
1: That's what people, people are saying. that's why people are frustrated. They think it's all a ploy like mm-hmm. this little trick of trying to keep people strung along and now you don't have the answer for a couple of episodes I don't it's mind a cheap that, though. trick uh, and maybe I, I don't mind it either. at this point, six seasons in
0: you gotta do something different. right you have yeah. to
1: do something to keep people interested. now they're also saying that it would be worse as much as they don't want to see Glenn go. They love him as a character. It'd be worse if he was kept alive now. Because now we're in a world where we can't trust that people actually die. Right. Every time somebody dies, how are we going to know they're not coming back the next episode? And it was a trick. But I don't. Know
0: if- I think that's a little extreme.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that keeping him alive is the the better of the two.
0: I I think so too.
1: So let's discuss the pros and the cons. First, let's talk about the pros reasons why Glenn could be alive.
0: Okay, so I'll tell you the reasons I believe, which a lot of people who are listening probably think similar thoughts or they did did some research and found that other people thought this way too right but while we were watching it live i even said it uh while it was happening the way he fell he fell with nicholas on top of him right and then the zoom of the camera it looks like yeah you can think that that his his chest and the way he's screaming because he's you know you got walkers on top of you yeah but it's an an odd
1: angle right It's an odd
0: angle and i kept saying that's not him that's the other dude And there there are possible escapes. His head is right where the dumpster is. So he could slide under while they're all right under. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, his feet are sticking out.
1: Well, yeah. And he's covered in Nicholas's blood and gore. If Mm -hmm. that was, in fact, Nicholas being eaten. So now he's kind of like walker bait. Right. They're going to be attracted to him. Mm hmm. But it looked like a pretty small opening. Like if he wedged himself under that dumpster, he would be okay for at least a few minutes. And my theory was that Rick or somebody else was going to come along. I mean, they were trying to eventually round up this broken off half of the horde of walkers. And so perhaps they start making noise, trying to round it up, and it distracts enough of them away that Glenn can kind of get out of there. I I was also thinking, and I haven't heard this anywhere else, couldn't there be like a sewer cap, a sewer grate underneath him that he could open it up and go down into the sewer system to get out of there?
0: Uh, even if there was, there wouldn't be enough room or enough way to get leverage to pick that heavy thing up under there because you're squished down.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I think it, it could be an escape route for him, though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It also appeared as though there was another, there was a fence in front of him, but there was also a fence to the left of him where there were a bunch of trees and it didn't look like there were any walkers there. And to the right, there was a building with a clear fire escape to the point that I was thinking when him and Nicholas ran down the alley, why did they just run to this dead end fence when there was a seeming escape route to the left and the right? Yeah. That's the only part of the episode I didn't like. That Glenn has been in this world. You could see Nicholas doing that because he's a freaking idiot. Yeah. But Glenn has been in this world forever. He was able to survive in the city back in season one. Mm-hmm. There were walkers like this all over the place and you had to think smart to escape.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So why would he do something like this?
0: It felt a little awkward, but it didn't I didn't let it deter my whole thought of this episode. But there's also some other reasons. If you watched Talking Dead, yep. they didn't have him in the memoriam.
1: Right, the list of deaths that they do every episode.
0: Right. And also, normally when a main character dies, there's witnesses around. People see them.
1: Or they see the after effects. So people are saying that you can't have Glenn die without seeing Maggie's reaction to that. right? However, that is easily explained if... He does come back in some way, mm-hmm. as Gimple has said that he would. And the some way is him being a zombie. And so Maggie encounters him as Zombie Glenn. Yeah, because we know she's leaving. We do see that
0: reaction. We saw in the coming attractions that she's next episode, she's leaving yep. to go search for him. Um, and then the other, the other part of it was he wasn't on the couch.
1: Yeah, he wasn't a guest.
0: Now, the credits for episode four, he wasn't on there.
1: Right, so the cons reason that Glenn could be dead, name was removed from the opening credits. Now there's been a long history of when the names were removed for characters and what that means, so that's still a bit up in the air, I guess. Yeah. Uh, there were also though some major themes and storylines throughout the episode that kind of did point to we're saying goodbye to Glenn. There were some callbacks, like the fact that he was talking to Rick on the radio and he said goodbye, dumbass. That's what he said back in season one, episode two, when he was talking to him over the radio.
0: Right. When they first met. Yeah. When he was watching him be an idiot on the streets.
1: Also, as they're making their way through the streets, that guy is telling his story about how he met the woman that is his wife now. Mm -hmm. And basically how he was lost until she came along. Yeah. You could see Glenn watching him. It was almost reminiscent of his feelings towards Maggie and what she had done for them in their relationship. Um, Herschel's watch made an appearance. There was just a lot of factors that if he is alive, it was almost as though they were purposely tricking us. Right? This is a goodbye episode for Glenn. Look at all the clues we're leaving.
0: They're trying to pull a Jon Snow right now.
1: <laughs> so people are not happy. I mean, I will be okay with a lot of things if that means seeing Glenn back, because I would just prefer that he did not die at this point. I think he's one of our better characters. We have a lot of people now who have either crossed over to the dark side, are losing their humanity, are struggling with coming to terms with that. And Glenn is still one of our very uh, humane people. Yeah. He, he believes in giving people chances and saving people. And I think we need a character like that.
0: We do. And I think he's going to be alive. But I think we won't find out for a while. They're going to keep stringing us along. Which I, I don't, don't mind. I don't, I don't know
1: how much longer they can... They've kind of been doing this bounce back and forth, right? We see our main characters and then we get some kind of side story. Yeah. So if that's the case, next episode, we will see our main characters. And I don't know how you avoid telling the Glenn story in that case. They
0: will, but I don't know if they find him yet. Mm. Perhaps, maybe at the end, last second. And we're like, wait, is he a zombie? She, she looked like she found him. Was she worried? I bet we're going to have that conversation. Mm. <laughs> Was she worried or happy? Is he alive? You know.
1: Well, and then there were some predictions we had talked, you and I, about Maggie being pregnant.
0: Yeah. I really think she is.
1: And that's the reason for a lot of strange things that have happened along the way. Now, do you think that lends itself more to Glenn being alive or dead?
0: I would say that would lend it more to him being dead. Yeah. Be a thicker storyline, right? And that's when she divulges it. Or he'll be like almost dying and she'll be like, you can't die
1: for our baby. Glenn Jr. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: there's two other things I want to touch upon real quick about episode three. Okay. Um, the other one, which just had me like, what the fuck was the point of this whole thing, was Daryl. So he's like, I got to go back. So it, was he driving back to Alexandria where was he, or was he, I thought he was driving back to get Rick.
1: Me too. Rick. Me too. And then I thought he had kind of figured out that Rick was okay. And so maybe he was going to get the rest of the horde of walkers. In fact, I thought later that this is how Glenn is getting out of it. That Daryl's going to come by with his that loud too, motorcycle. Yeah. Um, and then we're not sure. It seems like Daryl did hear shots fired over the radio from Rick. So then, I really thought, okay, now he thinks Rick is in trouble. He's going back. But I have no idea what the plan was. And then
0: here. they end it with us seeing Daryl just coming back on another road, which happened to time perfectly with the head of it. Right. What if he was a little later? All those walking, uh, walking dead would be in his path. Yeah, he would have been fucked.
1: Yeah, I don't. It was a. But very he got there weird... just in
0: time for the leading car to get back into the. Line. It was
1: almost like we don't know what to do with Daryl, so yeah. let's have him drive around. For it feels like this season, they don't know what his place is.
0: How the fuck did the timing thing? Now I wasn't thinking about it that to now.
1: Unless he was talking to them about where they were. Did they have a radio?
0: They did, but remember they were all talking to each other. Yeah. And Rick was like, "If you go back, you're doing it for yourself, not for them."
1: Uh, no, I mean Sasha and uh, and Abraham.
0: Yeah, they're they they right? part of that whole conversation. Okay, so
1: maybe they were telling him where where they were.
0: It's still the timing of that.
1: It's cheap. <laughs> it's definitely not well thought out.
0: And then the Rick in the end. That was awesome.
1: Oh, that was a rough moment did for Rick. Did that
0: scare you? Yeah, very rough for Rick. I, I mean, he kind of uh, scared himself.
1: Uh, he did. He definitely did. It. And At first I was like, this is exactly what we want. Mm -hmm. The kind of Rick that knows he's embracing these actions. This is what he has to be. It's him or them. And they attacked him. He doesn't really have a choice but to defend himself. But then the bullets through the camper to the rest of the family seemed a bit overkill for Rick.
0: (sighs) Not for me. Because he was almost overrun right there. We're talking about the camper scene. If anybody's like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, He gets jumped. He beats the shit out of those two dudes because... He's a badass. And then he looks in the mirror and there's three people obviously stalking. stalking. So they're not going to just say, hey. But it was know. like
1: a wife and a kid. And also at that point, we don't know that the camper's not functioning. So I'm thinking, why doesn't he just get behind the wheel, start it up and go? There really was not a reason at that point.
0: Panic. Like, fuck. Three against one. Yeah. And just... I mean, he was at... He's gone through so much, especially that one day. Last thing he needs to deal with is these people, the wolves.
1: Well, and he realizes that he's killed a family or people that were a unit. This is really hard on him.
0: And he's freaks out. And, uh, I would have done the same thing. I'm still not thinking that he's over the edge.
1: Over the edge? Is he gonna wind up dead here? How does he get out of this situation?
0: That's another thing. And his hand's all fucked up. He cut his own hand.
1: Yeah, there's also a lot of talk about that as well, that a lot of people think he was bitten.
0: No, he cut, his, in he that cut attack. himself with the knife.
1: They, they only intimated that, though. We didn't actually see what happened to his hand.
0: Here's the thing. Being the comic book reader, yeah, I'm going to say this. I don't think it ruins any storylines. you can: me a it's,
1: look. I know what you're going to say. So spoiler, folks, because this could very well happen on the show. And has not happened yet. If you don't want to hear it, tune out for the next 20 seconds.
0: In the comic, in the beginning episodes, bef- while they're still at the prison, mm-hmm. he loses his hand.
1: Because he cut himself or because he was bit? No. Is this no, like an infection it, the going governor bad? Cut,
0: the governor cut it off.
1: Okay. So it wasn't like he was bit, let's take his hand like Herschel. No.
0: But here's the thing. They said it would be too much money to have seasons upon seasons and episodes with his hand cut off. It would cost too much.
1: Because mm, I was going to say they did it with Merle, but I guess it wasn't that long
0: and It was just uh, that
1: we went with him, handless.
0: Right. But I don't know. I don't think it's a spoiler because, like, I'm not telling you that, like, he dies or anything, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I actually think that would be a good twist. Keep him alive. We give him some kind of impediment.
0: Yeah. That might click him down a few notches. Yeah. But all the more reason why we need Glenn then.
1: I, yeah. We're losing the he's badasses. Gotta, he's got to be alive,
0: but uh, he's going to be fine. He can go out the other side. This this left side of the camper is open.
1: Uh, kind of, but this is a huge horde. Yeah, you but can't they run go very slow. far without an encountering a lot of them. I don't know. It's it's something's got to happen, and I think we're going to get that in the next episode.
0: Yeah, the camper probably turns over, as a, as what I mean by the engine starts. Okay, not like it flips <laughs> it gets over. Flipped over. You have to redirect those thoughts by
1: moving forward to still accept what we were with a code to never do it again,
0: to protect everyone, to create peace.
1: Let me give you some fun facts about episode four, Here's Not Here. This is the only episode in the history of the entire show to feature only one main cast member, that being Morgan.
0: Yeah, well, there was, you're right, but there was one that was similar to it, which was season three, episode 12, Clear, which featured almost exclusively Morgan and Rick. Yeah. But you're right.
1: And we actually get the history... Of Morgan, played by Lenny James, between the episodes Clear, Season 3, and No Sanctuary, Season 5. We get a really good look at what's happened to him. Another fun fact, Morgan's words to Eastman as they talk by the graves. He says, sit down before you fall down. Those are the exact same words Morgan said to Rick while nursing him to health in the episode Days Gone By. Oh, snap. What?
0: I did not put that together.
1: And finally, in the episode Coda, when Morgan reached Father Gabriel's church, he put three things on the altar, a rabbit's foot, a pack of goo-goo clusters, and the bullet that we find out is the one in this episode the woman gave to Morgan. Right. So now we know where he got all of these items. So speaking of all these people, each episode we talk about our new actors and our deaths. We got three. It's a very myopic episode. We only see a few characters. One was Eastman. He's played by John Carroll Lynch. Two was the Alpha Wolf, played by Benedict Samuel. And three was Tabitha, our goat, who's played by Ruby.
0: Who's been in other movies. Now, let's talk about Eastman. Yes. Love that guy.
1: He was amazing. The
0: character was amazing. The the actor was amazing. We know him.
1: From a bunch of things. From a
0: bunch of things. Shutter Island, Mm -hmm. Fargo, Face Off, Mercury Rising, gothic bubble boy and a slew of others but this one in particular for you seasons four and five of americans horror story
1: yeah he often plays a bad guy or a scary guy it's yeah. interesting to see him in this reversal role
0: do you know what he was in season four
1: we're talking freak show
0: yep twisty the clown
1: that's right. I did hear that somewhere, and I remember saying, Oh my goodness, he was amazing in that role. Yeah. They said it on Talking Dead. The, what made this so amazing was that basically he was just dialoguing with himself the entire time. I mean, there was some really great acting going on by Lenny James, but most of it nonverbal his, mm-hmm. his facial features, his gestures. And it has to be really hard to sit there and just have this monologue basically for a whole episode.
0: I hope he's in for the long haul now because he is an amazing actor and he's one of the strengths of this show by far. Morgan, you mean? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. I I was referencing Eastman. Oh, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Morgan is amazing as well.
0: Because he did well. He did a lot of non-speaking, just sitting there in silence. Yeah. And you could see everything going on in his head.
1: Yeah. A lot of emotional upheaval. He really played that very well from the... Um, trauma and the PTSD, to the rage and anger, sadness, loss, and, and then a complete turnaround to, well, you know, we find out, we'll get into that more later, that it really is not such a complete turnaround. And I liked seeing that, that the struggle is still very much there, uh, but trying to come over to this other way of life. We only had two deaths this episode, Eastman and Tabitha.
0: First of all, it ain't that kind of party. You go know, oh, I- fuck a goat. Yeah. Why you always telling me to fuck a goat, man? Oh! You know, let's talk about Tabitha. <laughs> I know it's a goat and goats aren't very good looking. You know, they're not like cuddly, cute characters. But I actually felt for Tabitha because he was part of that. Th- not even the three. He was part of Eastman. Yes. You know, and Eastman was alone for so long. The only thing he had to speak to was Tabitha.
1: Absolutely. She became a sort of pet. And I think what made her... We are so connected to her. We haven't seen any of that in this Walking Dead world. There's no dogs. There's no companions. Um, She's kind of a symbol of what life was before in a companion type of way, almost like a pet. And also in a useful way that we're used to our group seeing them eating out of cans And here Eastman is growing his garden and trying to make goat cheese desperately from Tabitha. So he really was trying to practice this humane way of life.
0: Oh, I was so sad to see him leave. I I felt more for Tabitha. I'm jumping a little bit. But when Morgan is trying to snap out of it and Eastman's like, I'm going out Mm -hmm. to try to find some supplies. Do you want to come? Or at least watch out for Tabitha for Mm -hmm. me. And then you hear Tabitha screaming and you hear the, the walking dead. And I was like, oh, he better not let that yeah that die. And then when he walk out, you see him, Tabitha like freaking out and going back and forth and tied up. Can't go anywhere. Yeah, uh. Which is
1: kind of weird on Eastman's part, right? That she's so important to him, but he leaves her like this during the day without any kind of protection. Uh, she really could be attacked at any time. Yeah. If you think something so meaningful he would kind of find a better situation for that.
0: At least make a fence, something.
1: Yeah, or use like those stakes that look mm-hmm. pretty easy to put in the way that, that Morgan, Morgan just kind of sets up camp whenever he needs them. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that more characters on this show don't use that method because we've seen it multiple times to be effective. Before, though, we get into talking about our synopsis of the episode, I just have another brief thing to share. This was a Q&A with Lenny James, And there was a lot of questions, but one I found particularly interesting. They asked, what was it like training under Stephen Ho? And for those of you who don't know, this was one of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And he says it was fantastic. The thing I love most about my job is learning new skills. Michonne's sword, Daryl's crossbow, and Rick's python. These are all specific to the journeys that these characters have been on. Morgan's staff has now joined the rest. On one level, it's a very passive weapon, but if swung properly, it's very deadly. And I like that analogy to these implements that have become really specific to each character and the journey they're going on.
0: Oh, yeah. And character building, you know, when you're trying to sketch a character and create a personality and, and things that make them stand out and memorable, mm-hmm. oftentimes it's what they're holding really matters in your drawings. So... Uh, it's the same principle with movies and TV shows.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it says something about what kind of person they are, which weapon they mm-hmm. choose to implement in the apocalypse, and certainly this stick says a great deal about Morgan yes. and his his journey.
0: Yeah, so much. It's not lethal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it can be if you keep smashing someone, but you know, it doesn't have the sharp edge. Yeah, it's very beautiful.
1: And there's an art to this when we find out later that he's actually practicing Aikido. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, you know, we'll talk about that more as we get into it. So let's start with our synopsis. We open up with flashbacks that show Morgan's life before his quest to find Rick. After accidentally burning down his apartment in a fit of insanity, he sets up camp in the middle of the forest and kills several walkers, as well as a father-son duo that have been following him. We find out later that those deaths were actually very important.
0: Yes. Now, before you move on, the way this episode opens up, you see he's still in that apartment. Yep. He's drawn all over it, and he's yelling. And I was like, he's been yelling this. I think we heard him say that in season three. Season three as well.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of key phrases and none of the podcasts, Talking Dead or anything else really discussed this. They didn't give any credence to when Morgan's in flashback mode. These things have to mean something.
0: Yeah, I think people are brushing over it as just a psycho blabber. But uh, let's break it down. I'm going to move forward to move back. When Morgan is trapped, quote unquote, in Eastman's jail cell in his mm-hmm. house, he kept saying 16 hours and 19 on the floor. 16 hours and 19 on the floor. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? But he's also yelling. Now Now let's go back to the beginning. Okay. He's yelling, you know what it is. So he does say 16 hours and 19 on the floor. Mm-hmm. Then he says, starts screaming, you know what it is. Or you know, he says that often, mm-hmm. you know. In other ramblings, he'll say like, you had a knife. You had a gun. You know what you're supposed to do.
1: Yes, you know what you're supposed to do.
0: It doesn't matter how long it takes. We weren't supposed to be there. I think this is about the incident where his wife kills his son and he has to kill his wife. Mm. Um, think about it, you know, and he's yelling at himself. Okay. You know what? You had a knife, you had a gun, you know what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So he's trying, he's kind of like reliving it over and over in his head. That's what made him flip. Obviously that's what made him crazy. Um, and it happened right before Rick sees him again in clear. So he's running through it over and over again, but he's yelling at him in like the third person, almost as if he could change it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, he, he could be, in a sense, reliving that moment. If it, this is, in fact, what Eastman terms PTSD, and you know, from my knowledge, it, it does appear to be exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the major traumatic event that really started all this off. It's his trigger. And when those moments happen, we we see him disconnecting from the real world. And then when he has to fight the walkers, we see everything else just falling away, this tunnel vision. And I loved how the camera portrayed that. In events like this, you can have uh, almost an ab reaction where you are reliving that moment. Your mind is back in that moment, not in the present. And you start acting it out
0: So 16 hours, 19 on the floor. I don't know exactly what those mean, but Mm -hmm. the other ones, I I kind of came to that conclusion. Maybe 19 walkers were with her, with the wife as a walker, or she was part of the 19. No,
1: it sounds like he he spent 16 hours doing something and then 19 hours on the floor.
0: Oh, maybe, yeah.
1: But what is the relevance of that? I hope we find out. (laughs) Me too. Well, continuing along while Morgan's hunting, he stumbles upon a cabin where the sole inhabitant, Eastman, manages to knock him out and trap him in a cell. We find out he's a former forensic psychologist who lives a peaceful life while taking care of his goat, Tabitha, practicing Aikido, and making cheese. Eastman believes that all life is precious and humans are not meant to kill the living. I really liked this initial encounter Mm -hmm. where you kind of think that Eastman's going to be this pushover. Right. You know, when when Morgan first walks up to the cabin mm-hmm. and he's sort of calling from somewhere in the back. And then finally, you know, he's he's trying to tell him, but finally he's got to step in and knock him out. And you're like, OK, this is not just some guy that uh, is going to get taken over by Morgan. He yeah. actually knows his shit.
0: There was a half a second when he when he called out where it sounded like Herschel to me. Just a half a second. Mm. I knew it wasn't because it didn't make sense. Time wise and demographic wise. But uh, it kind of sounded like Herschel for a second. Just made me think, you know, when you like walk by someone that has a smell of someone else you remember and like the memory flashes in your head very strong. Yeah, well, that, that just happened with Herschel's.
1: There is something very Herschel about him, right? In and a way. In his, the way he lives and uh, the aura about him. Uh,
0: I, I love the way he would call out to him and. Morgan was just so psycho, he just started shooting towards the voice.
1: Yeah. He was gone at that point. It, it was very fateful that he should wind up here. Yeah. And what was really interesting is that he later tells Morgan, you know, he's been keeping him in this cell, but he later tells him that the cell has been open the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he wanted to, to teach him. He was hoping that he would be able to guide him along this path of healing. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the beginning, everything he tells him seems to not really be having an effect. Morgan just keeps snapping back to his old self. You know, in fact, when he finally gets that decision given to him by Eastman, that he could stay or he can go, but he can't kill him. We're a little bit frustrated, right? When he tries to subdue Eastman, he tries to attack him. Yeah, and You're like, really? <laughs> but Eastman repels the attack and Morgan returns to the cell. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly kind of what I thought was going to happen. He wanted to stay, but he couldn't trust himself yet.
0: Uh, A few things before we dive deep into that. The first night that Morgan is in the house, Eastman says to him, you shot at me. I fed you and gave you a home. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Please don't do anything to Tabitha. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that makes sense now that he could have because the gate was open. Yeah. I thought that was great. And then also he kept yelling, kill me. Kill Me, Kill Me. Yeah, And I love, this is when we're still getting introduced to Eastman when he's like, what's your name? And he's like, kill me. And he's yelling it a couple of times and he's like, that's a stupid name. <laughs> you should change it. It's dangerous.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just got like, such this laid back attitude to him and he's very wise at the same time and kind of funny and you could see him just entertaining himself there alone in the woods all this time and yet he's very happy to have somebody even as poor of company as morgan is in this situation he knew that he couldn't be there alone forever
0: yeah he wanted he he actually said i needed to be with someone you need to be with people so going back into the whole scene and, and what Eastman's trying to do and when we learned that he was a state psychiatrist mm-hmm. and he dealt with PTSD from ex-military men or sure. people that went through a lot, that's exactly what you do. Yeah. is there Was there anything like blaringly wrong with it or did it make sense the way they did it? I know they had to crunch it in so you couldn't like see the full...
1: No, I thought it made total sense. I think he portrayed this role very, very well and he's using all these stories to try to bring Morgan around. Mm -hmm. You know, to, to open up to him and to get Morgan to come out of it. And obviously, if we were in real therapy, he wouldn't be telling him all of this stuff about his personal life. Right. But this isn't therapy. This is kind of like a rehab. Like, we're two guys at the end of the world, and I'm going to sort of use my skills, but show you my humanity to try to bring out that side of you. So I thought it was perfect. And Eastman tells him a little bit about Crichton Dallas Wilton, but we don't get the full story until later. And I thought that was really interesting.
0: Uh, a couple things to note. This is our second Episode this season that's reckless. Oh, yeah. It's very odd, but I like it. And also, um, this episode is very artsy. Like, if you look, if you put still frames on a lot of the show. It looks like a painting or it's just framed very artistically.
1: Yeah, it had a a very different feel to it the entire time and a lot of people were complaining that it didn't need to be 90 minutes and after the cliffhanger on Glenn, why did they choose now to do a flashback from Morgan, but I didn't feel that way at all. I loved the episode beginning to end and I didn't think the placement was strange. Uh, I I thought this was almost like watching a mini movie.
0: It was. You're right. The tone was a little different. The first 3 episodes were so like don like just intense. Yeah. From from scene 1 on. That this was a good reprieve.
1: Yeah, that was the break that I've kind of been talking about when I said they could use a break. It's almost like the viewer can use a break. And so without having our crew get one, Mm -hmm. they still gave it to us in the form of this flashback. And this is something from the very beginning. For so many seasons, I've been saying, when are we going to learn about Morgan? When are they going to tell us the backstory? What happened to him after he left Rick? So finally, I mean, we've been waiting longer for this than the cliffhanger on Glenn. And I guess that's why I almost, after the first couple of minutes, I forgot about Glenn. I forgot about the rest of the crew and I was just engrossed in what can we learn about these two men right now. And so it continues along, this really great relationship between them. And Eastman leaves the next day. This is the part where you're saying Morgan went out and thankfully saved Tabitha from the Walker attack. And there he encounters a large graveyard where Eastman buries Walker's. We get a glimpse of the graveyard, but we don't know who's there yet. Then we move into the two of them bonding as Eastman teaches Aikido to Morgan, who begins to have a sense of peace. When the duo decides to scavenge Morgan's old camp, however, Morgan begins to encounter the trauma again, forcing Eastman to practice Aikido on the spot. They encounter a walker, who's the son that Morgan previously killed. Not here. And a guilt-ridden Morgan freezes on the spot. Eastman has to kill the walker, getting bitten in the process. So... Wow. Uh, A million emotions. I mean, it was really great to see the transformation of Morgan being taught this and the slow journey. Clearly time is passing and he's regaining a sense of peace and learning this skill from him. And Eastman thinks that he needs that little push now. Mm -hmm. He needs to do this, this ritual here to get over it. And perhaps it really would have been the breakthrough that he needed if this hadn't happened. And of all the walkers in the world, it has to be this guy, and that's really what triggers him and sets him off. Unfortunate, but I loved the story arc right up until the moment where Eastman jumps in and really a man that's trained so skillfully and knows all of this stuff. He has to push Morgan aside and then stand there? Stand there with his back turned to the walker. There's no other way that he could have mu- pushed Morgan and fell on the ground, pushed him and stepped back, come in and freaking just
0: had the, he the just, walker's yeah. head. I mean, it come was almost like
1: uh, we were doing this on purpose to be as corny as possible. Like, oh, I'm just going to stand right here.
0: That's the only part of the episode that felt clunky to me. But uh, it's like that's the they had to push the storyline. How does he die? I'm oh, sure, I had a but it could have been a better scuffle than that. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly because he could have just came up from behind and just staffed the, the guy in the head, just not, not Morgan, the uh, walker in the head, even just to slow him down for a second to push Morgan out of the way. There's just so many possibilities. What
1: I actually thought would have been great was if Eastman was in front of Morgan with his back to the woods and there's, they start performing this ritual. And then Morgan sees the walker, but Eastman's back Freezes. is to it. And he starts freaking out and Eastman thinks he's fighting him. Whoa. And so while he's trying to subdue Morgan,
0: oh, and Morgan like can't
1: speak because in the middle of a flashback, just reacting, the walker comes up behind him and bites him.
0: I like that. That okay. would have been cool.
1: <clears throat> well, it happened and we were able to brush it off because the rest of the episode was just so amazing. After fighting, Morgan remains in the camp he doesn't leave he reverts to his old ways he was there for you know who knows how long maybe a couple of days
0: but even before you even say that when easton tries to get him to go with him and he won't go Mm -hmm. he's like i told you not here and i love how one he's walking like away he's like yeah here not here Mm -hmm. and that was because he just read it off the rock there's a lot of interlacing meaning So I dug that part.
1: Yeah, we got to see all the writing on the rock. I couldn't believe, I I guess Morgan's really messed up, but still that he let him leave with the walker bite. It was really pretty crazy to me. So he's there however long he's freaking out until finally he encounters this couple that he has to save from a walker attack. And that was a really meaningful moment because the woman gave the bullet to him. And it's just a lot of symbolism behind that.
0: Yeah, Progress. Word yeah. of the day.
1: And I think that prompts it in Morgan's mind. And This is when he decides to return to Eastman's cabin where he kills a walker that has feasted on Tabitha. Uh, so It's sad. all his fault.
0: This is all his fault.
1: I was really upset Tabitha died.
0: If he didn't freak out, Eastman wouldn't have gotten bitten. If he didn't stay there, Tabitha mm-hmm. wouldn't have been killed.
1: And I was thinking this the entire time and I was so upset. But I was also thinking this had to push Morgan forward in his storyline. If not, he could have stayed in this cabin with Eastman for so long. I mean, they've got everything they need. They have solar panels Mm -hmm. to create their power that can last forever. He's got a stock of a ton of food. He's got this garden. He's got the goat. They also know where more supplies are. There's no reason. If they fortify that place better, it's out in the middle of nowhere. They're not really getting a lot of walkers. They could live peacefully the rest of their lives there. But... Eastman has this very strong feeling, even before all of this happens, that it can't just be the two of them and they can't isolate themselves up there. They have to go find more people. Um, I don't know that I totally agree with that, but it seems as though even if he hadn't gotten bitten, the trajectory was to leave this haven.
0: Well, yeah, Eastman wanted to leave Mm -hmm. Eastman, you know, and even when he knew he was dying, he was like, you can stay here forever, but you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You need people.
1: Well, and I think that partially comes from his experience that he'd had in his own past. And this is the point of the story where we do get the rest of that. Eastman tells him about the fact that he abducted that man,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Creighton Dallas Wilton, who had killed his entire family. And he took him there. He outfitted this house that he had with this cell. He had this whole plan, for something like 48 days that it I took so, to starve yeah. him to death. And that was a really traumatic experience for him that really messed him up in the head. And it was at this point he concluded it didn't give him peace, what he did to him. And he decided not to kill anymore. This is what set him on his whole journey of believing every life is precious. But when Morgan questions him, even this guy, even his life was precious, this man Mm -hmm. that did all this horrible stuff to your family... You could tell he almost averts the question, like he still can't fully come to terms with saying, yes, this man's life was precious as well. (laughs) Anyhow, weakened by his bite, he offers the cabin to Morgan, like we just said, but he thinks it's a bad idea. And he later decides to die by telling Morgan of his gun's location. Now, did Morgan shoot him or did he just ask him for the gun so he could shoot himself? They don't actually show the death on camera.
0: I don't know, I don't think it's important.
1: No, and I'm actually really glad that they didn't show it. We got this very dignified, respectful death for this man that yeah. I think it was really fitting for the character, but I'm just curious in my own mind mm. if Morgan had to actually do I th- this. I don't That's think so. Another part of it. His- because
0: I think uh, Eastman would have been afraid that it would snap him back into psychohood. Yeah, me too.
1: And after and burying... Th-
0: and he's got all this progress...
1: well yes right so after burying eastman morgan leaves the cabin and discovers these signs we saw in past episodes leading him to terminus and now we go back to the present where morgan relays the story to the wolf's leader who he has previously captured hoping his story can help to change his ways the wolf reveals that he is injured and that he could die but suggests he will kill morgan and the alexandrians if he survives as part of his code we see that there is no redeeming this guy the way that Eastman was able to do. I think Morgan was really hoping that he could fully practice this stuff that he would learned from this man yeah. and redeem somebody. And this was just the wrong person to try to start out on. Yeah,
0: after that whole beautiful story, he can look him in the eye calmly with a psycho look <laughs> say, I'm going to kill you. Like, it doesn't matter.
1: And everybody else. It didn't touch him at all. dick. Dick. It really makes you wonder if all these wolves are just straight crazy, if they really have crossed to this other side where Mm -hmm. they've lost their humanity, or are they brainwashed? Is it like a cult? There's following orders. What has happened to these people?
0: And I don't know if you noticed, but Morgan stands up and picks his staff up and gets into the where he could just kill him. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing that Eastman went through twice with Morgan. Mm -hmm. Where he had to stop himself And regather himself. So it was the same reflection.
1: Yeah, but a totally different ending, right? Because then Morgan turns around and he stops at the door and he decides to lock it. Mm -hmm. So where Eastman had been leaving the cell unlocked the entire time, Morgan knows deep down, this guy... is dangerous. ...probably can't be rehabbed the way I was. And I, I think this is good. Um... To some measure, I was really not happy with the fully zen Morgan that he wasn't going to kill anybody, even in circumstances where this is going to come to bite him in the ass. And now we find out maybe he can find a middle ground of his own. You know, maybe he can make his own code.
0: I hope so, because, look, Eastman's way of thinking, you know, maybe that would have worked with life how it is for us or with life before the walkers. But it's, well, it's too extreme of a. Oh, well, with
1: life in the middle of the woods where it's just you and this guy and you've got a cell and all these other ways of, you know, rehabbing people? That's yeah. not the case here.
0: But even in the woods, if one of the, let's say it wasn't Morgan that was coming for the goat, what if it was a wolf? Mm-hmm. There was no cracking that. So Eastman would have died with this whole piece. Well, he probably would have. I don't know. Well, I he just think it's. had all the time and ability
1: in the world, Morgan doesn't hear. There no. are situations where that's just not going to work. Um, but is it him coming to his own code that's in the middle ground somewhere, or is it just that Morgan isn't quite as rehabbed as we thought? And
0: he's afraid he'll snap. He's still Like an alcoholic having a beer.
1: He's still right on the brink. I mean, we really, we didn't know all of this. We thought Morgan had this huge turnaround prior to this episode. Now we learn that he really still is teetering on that razor's edge of having it together and he could go full blown crazy at any moment
0: even if Morgan is afraid to kill because he might snap back into it, uh, I wish he would go out and just be like, Carol, this dude that I saved that no one knows about, um, he's down there, kill him because he's an asshole.
1: Yeah, but it's not just that he can't kill anybody. It's that he's supposed to be following this new creed, this new way of life. Every life is precious. That's still going to just go against it, whether he does it or not.
0: They better not harp on that all season long because that's going to just piss me off. Yeah. He better get over that quick.
1: Well, that's what I mean. He's got to find his own thing. Yeah. This worked for this guy, Eastman. You know, what is Morgan's thing? He can't just emulate some other guy's thing. That's not going to do it. Potentially, though, this is going to have huge repercussions. Like you said, nobody knows he's got this guy. He's already really up shit's creek with the fact that he didn't kill these wolves, that he let go from the camp, that could come back at any time. Now he's got this guy locked up in the basement somewhere. And at the end of the episode, we see that... Um, in the streets, Morgan hears Rick screaming to open the gates. So is Rick going to find out he's got this guy here? And what's going to happen?
0: Is Rick alone? Sounds like he's alone. I don't hear anybody else.
1: Well, and how did he get there?
0: How did he get there? Oh, I can't wait. A lot of questions. <laughs> uh, before we move on to our predictions and our rating, one of the best parts of the episode that was very little, but it I thought it was, it had so much weight Mm -hmm. was that when we were getting to know Eastman, before he started creating a dialogue with Morgan, we were just seeing Eastman the way he goes throughout his day-to-day business. And you saw him trying to make this goat milk. Mm -hmm. Goat cheese. Goat cheese, yep. And remember he tasted it and he was like,
1: "Oh, It was horrible (laughs) in the beginning. And it
0: was funny because, you know, he's normal. We haven't seen people live normal. You know, even in these... In these towns where it's supposed to be like they haven't seen it out there, it still wasn't a normal. Yeah, well,
1: that's what I mean. Not even normal, but just humane. He has humane. a that's piece what of I mean. that's life the word for. that he that used to be before. He has a garden. He's eating as a vegetarian. He is trying to make his own cheese because in the past they had these things that you can't have now: milk and cheese. Yeah. Um. He has power in his house. Um, he has a routine for his day. I mean, there's just a way, this is part of what it means to be human. Being human is not just surviving and getting through each day. And I think that the characters have come to that realization several times throughout the seasons. That's what Rick was trying to accomplish at the prison. Mm -hmm. You know, that this was not all there was to life before this. And maybe we can kind of get back to that. And really, Eastman had found a way to do it. Yeah. And that's why it's unfortunate that we had to leave all of that behind.
0: My favorite part was when Morgan is having his progress, you see in the background Eastman tasting cheese and it tastes good. He finally, so he finally did, it. did it. And I actually felt like, I don't know, proud. Well, and isn't, it great, it.
1: isn't it great that if he had to die, he was able to finally accomplish that goal, yeah. getting that cheese right before he died and before Tabitha died for yeah. that matter.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. That's my favorite part. (laughs) Goat cheese. Goat cheese. All right. So let's talk about our rating.
1: Yeah. Before we get into ours, the critics gave this episode a 96% rating. So for all those people out there that didn't like it, uh, it ranked pretty high. And actually, Rotten Tomatoes, the average score was 9.4 out of 10. So if you hated this episode, you're really in the minority.
0: Yeah. Even the guy from Forbes didn't like it. I just think it's silly that you didn't like this one. It was very artsy. And poetic.
1: And the, yeah, the consensus about this was that it's a standout installment of The Walking Dead using Morgan's backstory as a powerful reminder of what it means to be human.
0: Beautiful. So our rating system for The Walking Dead is walkers, one out of 10. And I'm going to grade this one 9.5 walkers.
1: Excellent. I'm actually giving it nine walkers. Nice. And I was very tempted even to give it higher. I think I actually said to you after the episode ended, this could have been my favorite episode on Walking Dead ever. Wow. And I was really in my head just comparing it to episodes one and two mm-hmm. of season one that were, you know, remain my favorites of all time. So in my head, I couldn't quite give it higher than that because those were such brilliant episodes. Um But considering that we did only have one main character, we were on a flashback, we were on a huge cliffhanger. For me to love the episode so much speaks volumes about how brilliant it was. So Jason, our next episode, episode five, is titled Now. Any predictions for what's going to happen?
0: Shit's going to go down. It's going to get crazy again real quick. I think the head of Alexandria, I think she's going to kind of lose it. I feel like she's teetering on the edge of losing it.
1: She's already kind of totally lost it, right, Deanna? Yeah. She's not acting like it, but she is super out of it.
0: And the mistrust in Rick is going to start to boil over now with the loser people, the pansies.
1: (laughs) The Alexandrians? Yeah.
0: Oh, you can call them that, sure.
1: (laughs) Well, and the wolves... They're not gone, really, right? Not at all. That's still a a huge threat. They just showed
0: it where Rick almost got killed by them.
1: It's still a huge threat. They could come back at any time. We haven't seen how much devastation was actually done to the town. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll get a shot of that in our next episode. What did the wolves actually do? Is this a place they can even still live?
0: And we're going to get our first verbal altercation between Morgan and Rick unfortunately
1: i think that's going to be as a result of rick finding that guy in the basement
0: ah yes glenn if we find out that he's around it's going to be towards the end of the episode like i said before
1: yeah i think we have a lot to cover um what happened with the rest of the horde how did rick get back alive what's going on with morgan um yeah maybe that's how they'll leave us off with just a little sneak at the end of the episode of what's going to happen with Glenn.
0: And that's the end of episode 4 review. Um, If you guys are interested in reading the comics or the graphic novels, you should do it. Uh, And your best way of getting them is on Amazon. You can buy the compendiums. I would do it that way. There's three of them. They're very thick. It's a bunch of volumes combined. Mm. It's cheaper that way than just buying each issue. Uh, and I think each issue is like fourteen ninety nine, but you can buy the one compendium for sixty bucks, and it's a shitload of them. <laughs> it's worth it. It's good reading, and don't think to yourself, "Well, I already know the storyline," because there's so many differences in there. It's it, it's extreme actually, and it's actually wa- watching Walking Dead all over again with like a different story edge. So I really enjoyed it. And the art is beautiful.
1: And along those lines, the video game is amazing as well. If you're interested in seeing a little bit more of the world in a different kind of way. And
0: controlling, being part of it.
1: Yeah, you get to dictate your decisions will change the outcome of the story. And it's all different storylines, you know, set in the Walking Dead world, but different plots than what you're familiar with. So it's a bit of fun. You can also check that out online. Um, Any Walking Dead apparel, merchandise, anything you might want to get. we
0: got a bunch of figurines as well. Get those on Amazon. They're cheaper. They come right to your door. Go through our portal. So you go to coffeeclatscrew.com. You click on the Amazon banner. takes you to Amazon. You get the Walking Dead figurines, anything you want Walking Dead for a good price, and uh, they kick us back a little bit.
1: Just one extra click. And if you want to give us your thoughts, your feedback, any predictions that you have, anything at all about Walking Dead, we'll discuss it on our next episode. You can leave us a message on Facebook. You can email us.
0: Contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. It only helps us.
1: And if you like us, subscribe. Then your episodes will download automatically and you can listen to Coffee Clatch Crew all the time.
0: Until next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. I fully respect the hair game.